this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Are we doing that now? Do I say that now at the beginning of these? Is that what we do now? I welcome people. Am I allowed to say welcome back when in the last episode I never even said welcome? This is, uh, I guess I'll say it. This is now called uh, It Matters But It Doesn't. I'm Chad Hall. For all of you that are new here, I don't know how many of you are, but uh, this is what we do. We uh, we turn on the microphone and we we talk, we ramble. Today is a little bit different in the sense that today I'm doing a true crime episode. I mix those in because it's one of the things that I'm interested in. And the format's a little bit different in the sense that, like, I have a lot more to talk about. You know, I have, I have a topic to cover. For those of you that are in the feed that are used to being here and used to hearing true crime episodes. This is probably what you've been waiting for after the last two episodes. When is the true crime coming? He said he was going to do the next episode in the new Netflix unsolved mysteries. Or yeah, maybe like two people said that. (laughs) So this is, I don't know how they are, how they're referring to this. Because when you go into Netflix, it seems to call this like a, a collection, I think, is the word that they use. They're not even using the, the word season. But since the first six episodes of this came out a couple months ago, and now we have six more episodes, I'm counting this as the second half of season one. I don't know if that's how they're referring to it, but that's how I'm referring to it. It's, it's something that Netflix has done before. They did that with, uh, I can't remember the name of that troll show. The troll cartoon that uh, Gilmore de Toro was involved with. And with uh, Fuller House, they did split seasons. So I think that's what they're doing here. I just don't know why they're not using the word season. And before we even go into the episode, which, by the way, we're covering Death in Oslo. 
which is the second episode in this this half of the season. So it's, a, it's episode eight in my way of counting. But before we go there, I have to admit I might have been wrong about this new version of Unsolved Mysteries. I mentioned previously in the episode that we did on Jack Wheeler that when I watched the first six episodes, my response was kind of lukewarm. Like the show felt like it kind of lagged and it just didn't, I didn't click with it. But the Jack Wheeler episode, I was totally engaged. I really liked it. Same for this one, Jennifer Fairgate, Death in Oslo. I don't know if I'm in a different place and it's just connecting with me in a different place. My expectations are different. Maybe after watching those first six episodes, my expectations completely changed. I don't know. So what I'm going to have to do after I go through the rest of these six is to go back and rewatch those first six. I enjoyed the cases, but let me see if I if I enjoy the show as much as I'm enjoying this half of it right now. Okay, let's get into Jennifer Fairgate. So Jennifer Fairgate, this is the, the name that we're using. This is the name that the woman who died used when she checked into the hotel. It's not her real name. At least nobody believes it to be her real name. They haven't connected anybody named Jennifer Fairgate to this body. But that's the name we're going to use because we don't have any other name. Netflix describes the episode. Let me, let me, I'm always fiddling with something. Let me put this Gatorade over here for a minute. and <laughs> Stop making so much noise. Netflix describes this episode this way. After checking in a luxury hotel with no ID or credit card, a woman dies from a gunshot. Years later, her identity and her death remain a mystery. Now, I like the way that they, it's really sneaky what they did there. A woman dies from a gunshot. They did a really good job of not insinuating how she died, which I feel like was one of the flaws, one of the small flaws in the Jack Wheeler episode is from the beginning they told you he was murdered, so your opinion was already tainted from the onset of that case. And I feel like they did a better job of mitigating some of that here, not only in this description, but in the way that they did the episode. But basically what happens is a woman checks in to a hotel in Oslo under the name Jennifer. I mentioned earlier, um, we moved in, we got an apartment together and it totally motivated me to, you know, just get moving. And yeah, and that journey just was crazy. So I started off that year with a pretty serious amount of debt um, as far as I'm concerned, you know. I'd, I'd never seen that kind of money in my life, you know. And then by the end of the year, I uh, literally I, I paid that final credit card payment in December. I just dedicated all of the money that I earned at that new job, like straight at it. And I wasn't even getting paid that much, but it was, I was, I was not, I was not going out. I wasn't doing anything. I was just paying off that debt. And by the end of the year I was out. And it, so I started off the year with the death of a career and, you know, really bad financial situation. And I ended it with the, the birth of a new one and a, good financial situation. So I have this tattoo on my arm. It's like Roman numerals of 2008. And it's it's kind of the reminder that I have that says, yeah, you know, 
you could have the best worst year ever and you can make it through. And it's almost just a little bit of a reminder or, you know, it's just gotten pretty bleak for you. The totem, right? Um, let's, I want, let's peel back another layer of that. So if you were, if I, I know you well, I do know you well. And if you were a superbly Christian person, we could have this conversation right now where you'd say, I would go another layer and you say that the reason you were able to do that was because of your belief in God. Or if you were a Stoic, you'd say it was a Stoic philosophy. That was like your one tent pole. So if there is one, like what is underneath, you know, like there's that drive, but what was the thing that was the scaffolding underneath that? You know, like what belief structure or what philosophy or ideology allowed you to do that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I'm not, I'm not religious at all, and I would say that the energy and the drive came from just wanting to be a happy person. You know, wanting to just—it it really is that simple. I, to me, you know, we're all in that pursuit of happiness in one way or another, and every sort of little milestone we reach is just, you know, we feel like it's a it's step in the right direction and chipping away at the at whatever it is and wherever we want to be. So I knew that, you know, there there is a there's an outcome here where I can live a happier and healthier and more full life if I can just solve a few things. So if that meant to kind of purge an entire career and focus on a new one as hard as that might have been i felt like it would have been a thing that it felt like it was a thing that was worth it and you know and because those that would be the foundation of my future and that's mm-hmm. if you think about it you know i'm okay a brand new career that can be fruitful and good that means yeah if things go right then you can do x y and z you know and all this stuff and so to me i saw that as my foundation and a new attempt and stab at a new foundation for what what my future may become. So I would say that if you want to speak a little more like, uh, I don't know, zoom out a little bit more, what drives that? I think that would... I think I'd go with that. Is just... I like being happy. I like life. You know, I, I don't... And I like it when others around me are happy. And so I do spend a lot of time you know, when, when anytime friends need me or anything, I, I try to bleed happiness upon them in one way or another, whenever possible. And so I feel like I got to be happy in order to do that first. And happy, I use that word a lot, but I just got to be comfortable and content and secure and feeling, feeling good about the major things in life. And I can, I can be there for my friends. I can be there for my family. You know, I can lift others around me. And so that's a big part of what, I like to focus on these days is I like to show up for my friends. And so anyway, it all builds from that foundation, I would say. It was really interesting. I never noticed about this about you before. You're very vibey. You're, you're, you're driven. Now, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, some people might misunderstand that, but you're driven by vibes. You know what I mean? Like you're like, I want happiness. And a lot of the words you use are about, um, what some people might say intangible feelings, you know, like it's not a brick and it's not a pencil. It's happiness. That's an abstraction, right? right? Do you, do you see that in yourselves? Do you, do you see like that? You're like almost like a, you're a gut person. 
Oh, I'm definitely a gut person, man. I could, I could have, I should have just came out with that. Um, it's the truth, man. At the end of the day, it is intangible stuff that drives me. I'm not really after material things, you know. Um, I am more about, yeah, feeling good. I want to be able to sleep with a clear conscience at night. You know, that's that's just the thing that you would. It's the thing that we take for granted when it's gone. You know. And so I just, I live an honest life. I don't, I never lead anybody on. I don't really have any intentions or motivations by any of that sort of stuff. And I do sleep well at night. And I know that I've, you know, even if shitty things go on, at least I know that I have been honest. So uh, at least I got that. And anyway, yeah, I guess I'm a vibe guy. I'll accept it. (laughs) Gut, gut, gut is a different way of saying it, right? Yeah. Speaking um, of gut stuff, for just like a second. No, no, go, go ahead. Um, you're here. So, I used to work at Twenty Three and Me. Um, I worked there for nearly three years, and back in August, I got this opportunity to take on this remote job. So I'd be working from home, or anyway, there's no office, and so it came along. And it was incredibly appealing to me. And man, it was just like the toughest decision. I had this war going on between my brain and my brain who's saying, dude, what 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 the fuck are you you know leave this? This company's awesome. Look, they're feeding you, they're paying you well, they're taking care of like your your benefits are off, you know, awesome. The people you work with are great. The company's mission is awesome. You know, why would you leave? You know? And then my gut is saying, You gotta go. You gotta go. And So I followed my gut. I left the company and it was just freaking hard, man. It was really, really, it was a tough one. And I started this, you know, new job that's going great. And for the most of the open software and hardware movements could build tools that were more accurate and more useful in a rapidly changing environment than the official tools provided by the government. And the reason that we are talking about all this push and pull and all of this stuff is because currency, as we understand it, centralized currency, is push. Not just in the sense of how money is rolled out, you know, new currency is rolled out, but also where it exists. It sits in this bank. It sits here with these people. It's all centralized in the core. And that's part of the reason, the argument they're making here is that's part of the reason that we have poverty is because the money isn't moving where the need is. The money is stockpiling. But Bitcoin seeks to remove the authority. It seeks to remove that, that centralization. It democratizes the currency and it moves from push into pull. So it pulls the money where it's needed instead of being hoarded. That is the, that is the crux of the argument. That it breaks away from the idea of a bank issuing things and the deciding how much money needs to be produced and, and all of these things that are dictated from one central place. And instead, let me read a few more of these quotes. These, I'm going to actually, I'm going to use these last three quotes. They sound like they're all one because they fit together so well, but these are three separate quotes. And I think it's going to explain it better than me trying to break this down. The world is changing. And instead of stocking resources and information, controlling everything, planning everything, and pushing messages and orders from the core to the edge, 
innovation is now happening at the edges. This is the power of pull over push. It leverages modern communication technologies and the decreased cost of innovation to move power from the core to the edges, enabling serendipitous discoveries and providing opportunities for innovators to mine their own passions. As the cost of innovation continues to fall, entire communities that have been sidelined by those in power will be able to organize themselves and become active participants in society and government. So the main thing I want you to focus in on there is from the core to the edges. That's another way of saying decentralization. So rather than the decisions being made at the center, they're made around the edges. That the the need dictates the choices rather than the policies and the decisions. That's the whole idea. This is why so many people are excited about Bitcoin because it has the potential to change the world. But one thing that you shouldn't forget, I don't want to leave you with 100% roses on this. One thing you shouldn't forget is number one, we don't know if it'll work. And number two, it might be a fiat. Even if it isn't technically a fiat, it is a fiat, right? The money, the currency has nothing backing it up. It means what it means because we say that's what it means. And that is an edgy proposition because you don't know what that's going to mean in the long run. So so that's that's Bitcoin and the possibilities of Bitcoin. It was a tough one, tough one to wrap my head around. Hopefully I did a decent job. And as far as connecting to episodes in the archive, I don't really, I've never really talked about currency or economics before. So I don't really have an episode to directly connect it to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to recommend an episode that I love. There's an episode back from uh, 2017 called The Confrontation of Fear. It's one of the first solo episodes I did. And uh, I was really trying to do a lot of sound design and stuff like that. I made all kinds of music for the episode. I think it came out pretty cool. So uh, go check that one out. Thanks for listening. And I hope I injected a little bit of juice into that extraordinary brain of yours. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share episodes, and go to itmattersbutitdoesn't.com where you can subscribe to my newsletter. I mean, if you like the podcast, you're going to love that. Every day I send out highlights exactly like the one in this episode. Each of them is a nugget, a note, a quote, or an idea for you to ponder. And the emails are short and easy to read in a quick minute, like a tweet. And I also like to send out book recommendations once a week. And after you sign up for that and you're still on my website, you can click support for a list of ways to support the show, including joining my Patreon. So go do it now. Go check out itmattersbutitdoesn't.com for all of that. The full episode archive going back to 2016, a link to my public notebook, and some other stuff. All right, I'll see you when I see you.